0: Look at you. (laughs) I wanted to stand down here before I get up there because I I want all of you to do like this, okay? Would you do like this? At least those of you that know me, okay? Those of you that know me, okay? Okay? I can't just hug everybody right now like I want to. The sad, sad thing about this very moment right here is in 30 minutes, I'm going to have to let you go. And I'm already sad about that. So I'm going to walk up these steps and get my composure. And I want to love on you a little while. And I want to talk to you. Oh, gosh. Just from up here. Wow. Good morning. I tell you, we could just end after that story that Tim told us. Oh, I could just see that. And I could see us being that, that dog just dove into that river, trying their best to get to Jesus. Can't you? Can't you see that? I tell you, I love this worship team. My wife and I, we talk about it often. I almost didn't recognize Fabio over here. <clears throat> and and the, guy, and the guy playing the keyboard had cufflinks on. What is going on here? The dude singing didn't have his bun. Gee, how things change in about 14 months, you know? It's been a, I have to say, it's been an amazing 14 months for Sheila and I. And one big reason is because of the prayers of this church and your love for us and your partnership with us. Just real quickly, I, I will tell you that uh, there's, there's been over 30 pastors and wives that have come into Shade Tree to our home, uh, and been ministered to. I'm losing count of the missionaries that have come into our home. And not just missionaries, but ministry leaders, staff people. Even Christian businessmen and women that, that are just burning the candle on both ends. They have about this much wax left. And, and they just come in and, and we just love on them. And pray with them and listen to them and talk with them. And pray with them and Sheila feeds them, feeds them feeds them and then the Holy Spirit feeds them and that wax starts growing again and they're ready to go back out and get on the front line again we have had the opportunity to go to Africa twice this past year uh, some of y'all came and seen me in the hospital after we got back the, last time, uh, the first time uh, it's pretty crazy I stood with a missionary though at the South Carolina Baptist Convention just two, two days ago, two or three days ago and uh, tears rolled down his eyes as he just expressed again how grateful that he was that God uh, periodically sends people to come and be a blessing to, to them. Uh, this is sort of the way he put it. He said, you know, it'd been last time we were around American people, uh, it had been nine months since we had sung a Chris Tomlin song in English. But what it was so worth to them for, for us and another team to come and be able to minister to them and their children. Of course, Sheila pulled out all of her preschool stuff. And she came and borrowed preschool stuff from here uh, to work with the youngsters of those families. And what an experience it's been. Uh, just in this past year, God's given me the opportunity uh, to speak to over 200 pastors about Shay Tree. About their health. Because, you know, you see guys, a healthy leader can lead a healthy organization. healthy church. An unhealthy leader can't. And I know he's going to open those doors again this year. It's already starting. And uh, Sheila and I had an opportunity to just sit and talk and be with over uh, 140 pastor and wife couples at a marriage retreat. That's just a portion. We have never been more busy in our life. Never. But it's a good busy. And uh, you guys, at the end of this service, is go- you- you're going to have a very special treat. Uh, and you'll understand that at the end of the service. So I just wanted to just tell you, just, uh, just a real brief what's been going on in our life. But there's not a Sunday, or even a Saturday night, that we do not pray for Golden Corner Church. And that we do not talk about you guys as we're traveling to Marathon Church or another church. To speak or do something that we do not talk about you guys. And, and uh, just absolutely love you with all of our heart. And just walking up the parking lot. It was home. And I love, love being home. And I thank Ronnie for inviting me this morning. The title of my sermon this morning is uh, Plant or Gather. They go hand in hand. And, and when Ronnie called me, uh, it is just something, what somebody how God will speak to you in a tree stand, you know. But he called me and he said, hey, uh, God just spoke to me and, and God had just spoke to me about you guys just a few days before that, actually while I was in Israel. And I'm going to end up with that story and he called me and he said, what would you think about coming back and, and speaking at Golden Corner? And I said, I need to pray about it. Uh, okay. We'll be there. We'll be there. And uh, immediately, it was just, God just started moving, moving. And I was like, Lord, Ronnie, I tell you, you know, wow, it's coming this fast. But I, I, didn't, I didn't argue with him because I knew what he was wanting me to share. Again, just because of that experience I had in Israel about you. And uh, so again, the title of the sermon is Plant or Gather, Sow or Reap, if you're thinking King James. Plant or Gather, they go hand in hand, they go arm in arm. So I want to share just a story with you that's going to take us back about 65 years. Now I wasn't born then, you do understand that, right? Right? I was not born then, but I heard this story over and over again through my dad, and some of you have heard this story before, and those of you that have heard it, it's worth hearing again. In 22 years, some of you have heard this story maybe more than once, and for those of you that haven't, because I do see so many new faces, uh, it's going to be a story that I know touches your heart, like it has been mine all my life. So I want to ask you this question. Why are you here? And then I might even ask this question, how did you get here? Okay, and I'm going to hopefully answer a lot of that for you today. Some 65 years ago, my mom and dad were living on the Mill Hill in Anderson, South Carolina. They had dated just a short while. Dad was 17 years old, mom was 16 years old, and they decided to get married on New Year's Eve. And they went to the justice of the peace, and they lied to him and told him that they were 18. And so he married them. And so they got married, and both of them continued to work in the mill. And, and uh, there was this guy in the mill, at the Apton Mill in Anderson, that loved my dad. And he was a Christian man, and he was a good man. And he would go, and he would witness to my dad, and he would invite him to church, Now, you got to understand, my dad had never been in church in his life except for three times growing up as a boy. And all three times was for a funeral. And one of those times, it was during the summer, they had the windows up. He was sitting in the sill of the window. And two of his friends come walking by the church and they mouthed to him, We're going to the movies. And he crawled out of the window and went to the movies with them. So that was his whole experience of church. It was his Holy experience of God and, and anything about Jesus or anything like that. And this man knew that. But God had laid my dad on his heart. And dad would even say that when this guy would come and invite him to church, especially inviting him to church, he would even cuss him at times to get him off his back, to offend him. So maybe he wouldn't come back and the next day... The guy would come walking up with one of those little Coca-Colas in a glass, glass Coca-Cola. Who in the world could ever resist one of those little Coca-Colas? And, and, and he would, he'd say, here Ralph, I've just been thinking about you today. I'd love for you to have this. And dad said it would touch him It'd make him mad because he had just offended the guy the day before. And, and he would wait a few more days and he would come by and he'd talk to dad, How's Joyce? How, how's the family going and and i think they had they had uh, had Glenda by then and and so forth and he was kind to dad he was kind to him and he just continued to do that well sometime into their marriage dad and mom went to sleep on a saturday night and while dad was sleeping he had a dream and he had a dream of this big statue and it was made of clay, and it was made of gold, and it was, had bronze in it and stuff like that. And it was very, very big, and it fell over in his dream, and it scared him. And he woke up, he went back to sleep, and he dreamed it again about this statue. And, and he woke up on Sunday morning, and he rolled over, and he took pushed my, my mom, just shook her, and said, Joy said, I'm going to church this morning. I feel like I need to go to church. Do you want to go with me? And she just looked at him like, huh? And no, and she rolled over. My dad got up, he got dressed, he walked to church. And it was several miles to get to the church that, that he knew about. And when he got there, he got there at 8 o'clock in the morning. Because you went to, tr- to work at 8 o'clock, he figured you went to church at 8 o'clock. And there was nobody there except one guy. There was a black custodian there that was sort of cleaning up, getting everything ready for church. And the man looked at my dad and said, have you come for church today? And he said, yes, I have. And he said, well, it doesn't start till 10 o'clock. And dad said, well, I'm not going to walk all the way home and come back. And dad said that the black custodian and him sat down. Between them, they had one cigarette and they started sharing it. Just sitting there on the steps of the church. And all of a sudden, this car come pulling up. And it pulled up right in front of the two men. The man rolled the window down. And he looked at my dad and he said, have you come to church this morning, young man? And dad said, yes, I've come, but I'm early. And the man said, I know why. He said, God woke me up early this morning. and said, you need to go to church early because there's a young man that needs to hear about me. And that you need to share the good news of Jesus with him. And so he told my dad, he said, you just wait just right there. And he went and parked his car. And he took my dad and they went into the church. And this guy taught the junior boys. It was the middle school boys. Now he had guts in just doing that by himself, you know. So coming to witness to my dad obviously was close to God. But they went up into the, the middle school boys classroom and dad said that they sat there and, and the, the, the man just started sharing the beautiful good news about Jesus. And this one that, that was sent by his father and he was his only son and he sent him to die on a cruel cross for him. But on the third day he rose from the grave and, and when he'd done that all the sins of the world were paid for including my dad. And he looked at my dad and he said, would you like to ask this man, this Jesus into your life? And my dad said, yes. And right there on that Sunday school floor, they knelt down and dad asked Christ into his life. Well, it got to be about 10 o'clock. Dad was not comfortable really just going out and going into another class. So he said he sat in the junior boy class that night, that day with that man and he listened teach about jesus and listened to those boys respond and and then the man took my dad down to the auditorium and he introduced him to a few people and and then they started singing what was the first time my dad had ever held a hymnal in his in his hands at all and he just thought you went from line to line to line so he was singing along you got that first line but when he hit that second line it wasn't what everybody else was singing for those of you that held hymnals, y'all understand, you know? And he said he just he he just set the hymnal down. But he said something was stirring inside of him as they just sang a lot of those old hymns and the choir sang. And he said, he could not wait to leave church though that day. And he ran as hard as he could. He said, I could not walk, Mark said, I was running, he said I was running. And I got to my mama's house and said so I walked in and said, Mama, I went to church today. And I got saved. I asked Jesus into my life. And my grandmother looked at him. And said. Oh no. What have you done? What have they done to my son? And that was his response. From my grandma. And he left the house. And he went back home. And he said I walked in Mark. And said said, there was your mama. And said I looked at her. And I said Joyce. I went to church this morning, and I need to tell you something. I got saved. I asked Jesus into my life. And he said my mom went, okay, that's what you want to do. Now, the man that led him to Jesus came back after him that Sunday night, took him back to church on Sunday night. And then, because my mom and dad didn't have a car, and then he took him to, to church on Wednesday night. And then Sunday morning again, he'd pick him up. And then Sunday night again and Wednesday night. And then they started going to Thursday night visitation. And dad would start going with them. And and the man started talking to him. And finally, dad said, I need to tell you why I came to church that Sunday. Why God woke you up. And he started telling him about this dream that he had. And said the man just pulled over on the side of the road. Took his Bible. Opened it up. Turned it to Daniel. And started reading about the Colossae in Daniel. And dad was like that's the statue I see. Get it? Dad had never been to church before. He had never heard this kind of story, but he said, that's the statue that i seen. And the man explained to them about the Colossae. And, and then a few more weeks passed through, maybe a month or so. And this same man come to dad and said, said Ralph, we're having a youth Sunday night in a month from now. And we would like for you to tell your story. We would like for you to preach that night. Would you do that? And dad looked at him and said, yes, I will. Went back and told my mom what he was going to do. And she said, you didn't tell him that you would speak, did you? And he said, well, yes, I did. And that night, he stood before that congregation. He said, Mark, it was a full church. And he opened up the book of Daniel. And he read about the Colossae. And he told basically the story that I just told you. And they gave an invitation that night and over 30 people came to Jesus. And God just started dealing with this Mill Hill boy about becoming a pastor. And he surrendered to be a pastor. He only had an 8th grade education. But he started studying. And dad had one of these minds that could just read things and he would comprehend them. Y'all, y'all know, those of you that's heard him preach before. Took his first church in Westminster. And then the rest is history. Took a few other churches. Then we moved here to Oconee County when I was 10. And the rest is history of his life. Which brings us to a place of here now. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But I need to ask you a question. From that story... From that story, who was the hero of that story? Who were the heroes of that story? The man that witnessed to my dad at the plant, at the mill. The one that would continue to come to my dad and and share love with him and encourage him and invite him. The man... That was close enough to God. That he could hear the voice of God on that Sunday morning. As God was nudging him and saying, you need to get up early. There's there's a young man at the church and he's waiting on you. And I even believe the custodian is one of those heroes. Because he was just holding dad over till the guy got there. He didn't know it, but he was kind to dad. He didn't just, just push dad away, but... Hey, they were sharing a cigarette together. Boy, isn't it amazing how God can just use all kinds of things. Not advocating smoking. Please understand that. Do not hear what I am not saying, okay? (laughs) Those were the heroes of that story. And I believe today that every single person that dad led to the Lord, starting on that Sunday night when over 30 were saved, and then God called on him. And many of you know, God used dad to literally lead thousands of people to Jesus. I believe those men that had that influence received rewards every time dad done that. And can I even go on to say this because of the influence in my life being raised in his home and then God being able to speak to me and eventually 22 years later or 22 years ago planning Golden Corner Church and as I see people get saved here still and I'm seeing people be baptized, I believe those men are receiving reward. There's a scripture that I want to read to you. It's found in John. It's John chapter 4. And it starts with verse 34 through 38. It says this. Now, let me just preface it just for a moment. Jesus and his disciples have already come into Samaria. Disciples had walked into Samaria to get food. There's a woman, a sinful woman, that's come out to the well. Jesus has started talking with her and if you don't know the story I just encourage you to go to John chapter 4 and read it it is a magnificent beautiful wonderful story of the grace of God and Jesus and how he uses him and and they talk and and she realizes that he is the son of God and so by this time that we're about to read she's already moving back into the town because she wants to tell as many people as she can is you need to come out I believe I found the Messiah and he's out at the well so that's what's going on now his disciples are looking at him they can't understand why in the world he had been talking to a Samaritan woman and he's in, they're encouraging him to eat something, just eat something and this is what he says my food is to do what my father sent me to do my food is to finish his work don't you have a saying you say It's still four months until harvest time. But I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest right now. And I believe with all my heart as he was standing there at that well. And they were standing around him just trying to figure it all out. That they might see the dust sort of coming up from the town. And, and these people have seen the enthusiasm of this woman. And they could probably just see a change in her whole continents. And so they're coming and they're moving toward him. And Jesus says, look, they're coming they're coming. It's now. It isn't 4 months from now. It's now. It's time. Verse 36. Even now, the one who gathers the crop is getting paid already. They are already harvesting the crop for eternal life. That's what they're going after. That's the real food. That's the real object is to harvest for eternal life. So the one who plants and the one who gathers can now be glad together. I'm going to read that again. So the one who plants and the one who gathers can now be glad together. This is from a different version of the Bible. What joy awaits both the planner and the gatherer alike? This is from another version. Now the planner is arm in arm with the gatherer. Triumphant is what it says. Because they are are planning and they're gathering and they're arm in arm and doing it. And it brings triumphant feelings and rewards into their life. And then it says, that's the truth of the saying. One plants and another gathers. I sent you to gather what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have gathered the benefit of their work. So why don't I tell you the story? One man's life, a man working in a plant. He was the planner, The man that, again, was so kind to my dad. A man that seen my dad. How many times do we walk by people and we don't see them? We don't see them at all. And he's seen my dad. He's seen him for a, a Mill Hill boy or young man that was newly married that needed Jesus for eternal life. But also needed Jesus so that he could have an abundant life here on this earth. That man planted. And then there was a gatherer. That man that came that early Sunday morning. And the custodian. And Can I tell you about another Planner just real quick. Wow. When my dad was just a little b baby, he 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 got a fever that he could not they they could not get rid of. He went to the doctor, couldn't go get rid of. He was losing weight. It was days and days. He was one of nine children. And my mom was uh, my grandmother was just desperate and, and there was a church of God lady pastor that lived down the road that heard about Ralph who was sick and she knocked on my grandmother's door one day and he said, she said can I come in and pray for Ralph I hear he's sick I hear you can't, he can't get better can I come in and pray for him and, and my grandmother said yes and so the story goes as dad was telling it that his grandmother told him who let me say later dad did lead all of his family to Jesus so if you're wondering about that Okay, that was number one goal. But she laid hands on that little baby, or that little boy named Ralph. And as she was praying for him, she stepped back. When she got done, she looked at my grandmother and said, His fever's going to break. He's going to get better. And I want to tell you something else. He's going to be a shining light for the Lord one day. And she left. Now, I wish I could say that my grandmother grabbed hold of that because that fever started breaking within just an hour, and by that afternoon, the fever was gone. I wished I could tell you that my grandmother seen that and and said, oh my goodness, I need to find out more, but she just forgot all about it. After my dad became a preacher and he started preaching revivals, back in those days, they would put a thing in the newspaper and put a picture of the person preaching, you know, advertising the revival, inviting people to come. And one day after my dad had become a pastor and he had been invited to come to a church and preach in Anderson, this woman was looking, this Church of God lady preacher was looking through the paper and she'd seen that advertisement. And dad said that she grabbed that paper and she went out her door and she started running toward my grandma's house saying, I told you, I told you that God was going to use him one day. And my dad was there when she came. He had never heard that story before. And my grandmother, who had already fortunately become a Christian, just sort of dropped her head and told him the story. So, I say to you today, I am looking at a tremendous amount of planters in this church. And I'm looking at a tremendous amount of gatherers in this church you might say, well, how can I do that, Mark? I want to tell you very simply, very quickly. You might want to write this now. Or you may want to to watch the sermon later. Because it's simple, though. Number one, be kind. Be kind. Be kind to those that you work with. Be kind to those that you go to school with. Uh, And and they may not be very kind to you. But you still be kind. And if you can't find one of those little glass Coca-Colas take them one in a plastic jar bottle whatever you call that thing just be be kind be kind and then number 2 be consistent be consistent in your witness to them and you're inviting them to church and in your love for them and you asking them about their family and even if they're so dislikable still be consistent and then number 3 Be close. And what do you mean by that? Be close. Be close to Him. Be intimate with Him. Have a relationship with Him. So that one day if He jars you and He says, You need to get up and go to work early today. You you need to go talk to somebody today. You'll be able to hear it. And you'll have the confidence because he's, he's, He's... He's, he has spoke to you about doing it. you have the confidence to go do that. Planners, gathers. Your pastor is a living example of what I just preached, aren't you, Ronnie? I heard Ronnie talk so many times about a grandfather that prayed for him. And witness to him. And you wasn't always just the best guy to, uh, to respond to that. Oh, I could tell you so many stories about your pastor.
1: <laughs> Woo!
0: Salem has never been the same. He had a grandpa that believed in him. And believed in him. And circumstances took him to a little Baptist Independent Church where he asked Jesus into his life gathered. I'm talking to you guys this morning and so I'm going to end with this story very quickly and you can tell the children's department that we're going to be about seven more minutes so they will not get so mad at me. Sheila and I had the opportunity to go to Israel again And uh, the second night that we were in Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee, it was a wonderful thing to still have jet lag, okay? And I'm going to explain why. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, a lot of times when you still have jet lag, your eyes just go poof, and you wake up, and your brain's telling you it's time to get up, you know, but your brain is also telling you it's dark outside. You're not supposed to get up, and it's sort of weird. But about 3 o'clock in the morning, that second night, my eyes popped open, and I realized, though, whoo, this is, we're going to take advantage of this God, and I I walked out on the balcony, and it was quiet Tiberius can be a little loud during the day, but it was just quiet and it was beautiful, and I leaned over the balcony and I looked down this way and and Capernaum, I knew Capernaum was down there, even though I couldn't see it, it was dark but Capernaum was down there where Jesus did so many of his miracles and where he called so many of his disciples and then just right up above that was uh, the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, and then a little bit further over is where Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. And I could just see it all down there. And finally I just looked up and I said, Christ, I understand why you love being here so much. And I looked out on the, 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 just the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And I could just vision just Jesus just walking on the water. Also out there just fishing with his buds out there. Just enjoying that. And I started praying. I started praying for Shaytree. Then I prayed a lot for Shade Tree, and then guess what? I started praying for you, because you're special. And I started praying for Golden Corner Church, and I prayed a little more for uh, just various churches that are inside our life right now. And all of a sudden, I can't say I was dreaming, because I wasn't laying in the bed. So the only way the Southern Baptist boy can say was, it was a vision, and all of a sudden I just seen myself up and I wasn't on top of the world I had to have been just like higher looking down and I could see the world in this globe way and it was dark but then from up here there was a light that seemed like it just come down from heaven and I can only way I can explain it, it was just sort of like one of those spotlights those uh uh those big lights that you see searchlight type things just coming down and all of a sudden it hit a place on the earth and I knew it was you. Because I was praying for Golden Corner at this time. I knew it was you. And it was, the only way I can explain it, it was almost like a diamond. What I would think when a, when a light would hit a diamond and, and there were rays that started coming from that, that spot. And, and, and it wasn't like light rays. It was almost like golden rays. And they were just penetrating and penetrating and penetrating and penetrating and penetrating out. And then I quit seeing the vision. And I thought, yeah, that's golden corner, God. That's who I see. That's who I see that is making a difference in this world. You know one great thing about being in Africa and being in uh in, in uh, the holy land. For four out of a six week period right before the election. I didn't watch any CNN. I was clean man. I was clean. Some of you folks y'all watched too much CNN. I know you did. You were worried. I want to tell you something. God was saying don't you worry about whoever wins that election. Because this is the deal Mark. My shining light has not faded one bit. And I am just beaming down on those churches that will have me. On those churches that will decide in their heart that I will be a planner. I will be a gatherer. And I'm going to make sure that no matter what's going on in this government or any government in the world, I will be a shining light in this dark world. And darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. It cannot. And that's you. So, I end the day by this. Sheila and I are so very privileged to have had many missionaries in our home. One of which is with us today. Gene, would you come up? Gene is, this is Gene Pan. And his wife is back there. It's, it's Eliana back there. Little Eliana, did did we get that picture, Trey? What? Tell me. <laughs> telling you, this Papa right here for the last several days has been in heaven. Tim, can we do this? I cannot tell you the privilege it has been over and over and over again for us to have ministry leaders in our home. We've had strangers in our home, strangers, people we don't know. And every single night, me and Sheila lay our head on the pillow, and there's no fear. There's contentment, there's joy. And God has been sending them from everywhere, from all over the world, as far as away as Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Miami, Florida, and they're just coming. And so a few weeks ago, we got a message that this, this beautiful couple from China are in transition right now. And they are trained here in America, and they go back to China. And they share the beautiful, beautiful story of Jesus. They do that a while. They come back to America, regain their strength some, train some more, and they go back to China. I wish you had time to talk with them. But you guys know how much I love hearing people sing or pray in their language. So I asked Gene if he would end this service for a church family that you know how much Sheila and I love All of our heart to pray a blessing on you guys in his language. So, bow your heads with me and let Jean pray for
1: us this morning. 来自不同的背景 甚至不同的国家, 不同的语言, 但是因着你, 就像 啊, 今天所传讲的, 啊, 主啊, 你是配得成颂的, 可以让我们永远怀着感恩的心 呃, 去过, 呃, 去结束这一年,